Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And we'll be interviewing guests from around the world. And currently, we have a guest who's actually in Tel Aviv, Israel. And it's the first guest who we've interviewed who's actually in Israel. And uh, uh, if you're watching this, he's not uh, in a bunker in uh, North Korea or in another part of the <laughs> world. He's actually in his home. And he's built this cool recording studio where he does a lot of his own videos and uh, podcasts. Uh, so it's kind of a, a unique uh, build. Uh, so I, I, I do, we do, a, by the way, we do a podcast and we do a video cast. So if you're listening to this, make sure you watch it on YouTube to see what I'm talking about. And if you're watching it, uh, you'll be able to obviously see the bunker that he's currently at, which is not in North Korea, hmm. Tel Aviv. So Jonathan, uh, he is uh, known as uh, the super learner. Uh, he has a website called uh, be, uh, or, uh, being, uh, Becoming Superhuman. Uh, the website's called becomingsuperhuman.com. And on there, he talks about different hacking, everything from hacking health and learning and memory and productivity and lifestyle and travel and languages uh, and much, 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 much more. So we'll be finding out about Jonathan uh, in terms of, um, he's actually from the US, but now he's in Israel mm -hmm. all places, so we'll be finding about what brought him over to Israel. Uh, we'll be finding about his own uh, travel journey to 40 plus countries around the world, and we'll be focusing on his, uh, um, you know, life hacking, business hacking, uh, you know, travel hacking side of things. So, Jonathan, how are you doing over there in Israel today? Pretty phenomenal, Ricky. Pretty phenomenal. Thanks for asking. That's good to hear. I'm over here in French, um, um, not French Ghana. I'm actually in English Ghana now, uh, which is uh, uh, the capital, Georgetown. So uh, uh, great to be in different continents, uh, but still being connected to the beauty of technology. Totally. So Jonathan, uh, maybe you can share a little bit of a backstory of uh, who you are and uh, a little bit about yourself for the sake of the listeners and viewers. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I would say I define myself as kind of a serial entrepreneur, started my first quote unquote companies uh, before I could reach the kitchen counter as a kid. Uh, I never really had an example of a salaried employee. So I was always uh, an entrepreneur. I grew up in kind of a tricultural family. My mom, uh, first generation born in the US of German immigrants. My dad, born in Iran grew up in Israel, living in the US. Uh, so I grew up with a lot of languages, a lot of cultures, traveling and, and kind of being exposed to different cultures. Um, on the entrepreneurship side, started a company at the age of 16 that really took off uh, and grew that throughout high school, college, sold that company in 2011, and then kind of traveled the world, uh, opened another side business to finance the traveling the world and kind of evolved my entrepreneurial skills, went to business school, and then decided that I wanted to live in Tel Aviv. So I came back here and started a new business teaching people accelerated learning, which grew into a podcast, grew into a best-selling book, grew into a premium online academy that we teach today. And now like superhuman is our thing as a whole. Uh, we, we have a couple different companies, but they're all around superhuman media uh, and helping people achieve greatness through health, memory, speed reading, productivity, and so on. Hence the studio. Well, who doesn't want to be a superhuman? And as a totally. digital nomad, I, I'm sure you want to be a, a superhuman digital nomad. So we'll definitely be giving totally. you some um, ideas and insights into how 
to increase your superhumanness. So, uh, Jonathan, I'm really interested in what made you choose Israel. I mean, uh, you you said you had the, yeah. the, the tri-cultural upbringing. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you're from the U.S. So, of all places in this world, um, uh, what made you especially decide in the Middle Eastern, um, you know, region? Yeah. Uh, I get asked that a lot, especially yeah. by Israelis. They're like, what's wrong with you? Why do you live here? <laughs> Why would you come here exactly? Like, yeah, you have three passports. Why are you here? Um, I think a lot of reasons. One, I think Tel Aviv makes a pretty good case for just the greatest city on earth. We have the beach, but we also have the startup ecosystem. We have a uh, great culinary culture, but we also have like a super kind of casual attitude about life. Um, there's there's music, there's arts, there's just about everything you'd want except for history and affordable housing. Uh, it's a very young city founded in 1933. So, you know, if you're into archaeology, it's probably not your city. Uh, and if you're into architecture, probably also not your city. But other than that, Tel Aviv is just a phenomenal city. Uh, as for the culture of Israel, I think I, I'm a much happier person here than I am there because uh, who I am in Silicon Valley is very much this kind of ultra competitive, always seeking for the next accomplishment, validation through achievement type person. Whereas in Tel Aviv, it's uh, perfectly fine to just be happy with who you are. <laughs> and I don't find that to be the case in my hometown, uh, you know, in the Bay Area, where it's all about how much money did you raise and when was the last time you were in TechCrunch. Uh, I also find just people here to be incredibly warm. Uh, they have this prickly exterior uh, but if you speak the language and, and you get to know people or or people kind of let that guard down they have this incredible warmth that I think you only find in the Middle East whether it's you know the surrounding countries or Israel uh, this warmth this hospitality this intimacy sometimes this pushiness uh, that I just love and I, I think it's it's so real and everyone here is so uh, authentic there's none of this kind of like masking of emotions that drives me so crazy in a lot of Western countries. Um, so that's, that's pretty much it. But yeah, I, I have lived here now almost four years and I just completely drank the Kool-Aid. Like I, I live with Israelis, I work with Israelis, I hang out with Israelis uh, and really just have imbued myself into the culture as much as possible. Awesome. I definitely echo a lot of your sentiments around Israel and the Middle East. I traveled there, uh, you know, uh, in my university days uh, uh, mm -hmm. from Istanbul to Cairo overland. So I went oh, cool. to Turkey, Syria, Jordan, Israel, Lebanon, and then finished off in Egypt. And I uh, loved, loved the Middle East. I mean, super friendly yeah. people, uh, definitely so, so, so hospitable. And uh, mm -hmm. Israel as a whole, I mean, uh, incredible uh, history and culture. Um, totally. I mean, you mentioned Tel Aviv doesn't have history. I mean, the rest of the country is like kind of like almost like the birthplace of the, you, you know, the totally. major, obviously the major religions, uh, the, Jew, the Jews, the Christians, the Muslims, I definitely mm -hmm, have uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a little bit of history in that area. <laughs> oh yeah, just not in Tel Aviv. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, architecture, I, I love that, uh, the Baha'i building, I think it is in, in uh, Incredible, in Haifa. Yeah, yeah. In I, was Haifa. There, I was there like four days ago, five days ago. Awesome, awesome. And Tel Aviv's uh, such a beautiful city. I mean, with the, the city and the ocean, the beaches. So, yeah, I think you're, you're right. And it doesn't usually get the acclamation of one of the most beautiful cities in the world. But being there and living there as you are, uh, uh, I can see why you're thinking it's one of the top rated totally. cities. It's funny. It was rated uh, one of the most beautiful cities in the world, but not the city, the people. <laughs> I think yeah. in like 2015, it was rated most beautiful city. Uh, 
which is another point just on like the the incredible eye candy that you see everywhere in the city because everyone's like half Moroccan, half Polish, mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. quarter Ethiopian, half mm-hmm. Polish, half Russian. You're just like, wow, blue eyes, tan skin. Oh my God. You know? <laughs> yeah, but definitely. A whole other side point. note. Uh, yeah. So tell us about your travels. I mean, you've traveled to 41st countries. That's pretty impressive. Uh, tell us a little mm. bit about uh, your journey and some of your favorite things uh, during your travel so far. Yeah. So when I was running my e-commerce business in the uh, mid to late 2000s, travel for me was always this like super haphazard, like, all right, I think I can take 18 days away. I think the employees won't burn down the entire office and I'll, I'll try to fit in five countries. Like we'll rent a car, we'll drive it from here to there. Uh, it wasn't really until graduate school after I sold the company and I was running a little side business and kind of doing grad school that I was actually really able to travel. So I went, you know, for a month to Thailand. I spent six months in Singapore with that as my home base and then traveled as you do in Singapore pretty much every weekend. Uh, spent four months in France, traveled, you know, many, many weekends because the French have so many freaking holidays. It's like they never work. Um And then after that, kind of just kept going with it. So I was traveling about 15 weeks a year for two or three years after graduating from business school. And that's another, I guess, selling point of Israel is uh, we're in the middle of everything. Like I can get to Asia so quickly, not so quickly, but, you know, it's an eight hour flight instead of a 22 hour long haul journey. And I can get to Europe in four hours. I can get to Italy in like just four, flat, four hours flat. London, I think, is five. I can get to, well, not the Middle East. I could theoretically, but can get to Africa. So I traveled a lot to uh, Kenya, South Africa, Rwanda, did, did a few different trips. Um, and just, yeah, like I always say, I, I travel the dumb and expensive way whenever I travel. Like I love my home city so much that it's like, okay, fine, I'll go for a week, I'll fly to Rwanda, I'll hang out there, but I want to come home. And then two months from now, I'll fly back and I'll go to Kenya, which is the dumbest thing in the world to do if you want to save money. Like, just stay there, amortize your flights. But this is the problem when you're, when you're absolutely infatuated with your, with your home base. So, uh, yeah, 40, I think at this point, 45 countries some of them for six months, some of them for six hours. Now, six hours doesn't count, but some of them for as little as a few days. Uh, yeah. You bring up a good point because what defines that you've actually been in a country? Is it just being in the airport? Is it actually just exiting the airport, re-entering? Is it right. staying at the border? I define it as a proper thing? meal, a proper okay. sit-down meal with another mm-hmm. human being counts as what? a... What if you're in the airport for a layover and you're having a meal? Is that doesn't count? count. Okay, Airports actually are, are international jurisdiction, which is interesting. Mm. So there, there airports there and embassies don't count. Okay, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, uh, those people say, you know, I've been to a country, but being in the airport, I mean, uh, no way. You know, you got to exit the airport. Uh, totally. I, I like to, I like to think of it as uh, at least you're staying overnight. Uh, I mean, some mm-hmm. people they they go in the morning and they leave in the uh, the evening, and I mean, technically you're in the country for about a day, so that could work. Uh, maybe totally. uh, you know, yeah. So I don't know if you have any thoughts as a listener or viewer, let us know what defines if you're being inside a country itself. So, uh, Jonathan, uh, tell us about uh, 
becoming superhuman. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very ingenious uh, idea because a lot of us want to hack ourselves to productivity and uh, life mm-hmm. and health and fitness. So tell us a little bit about what made you uh, start this journey into becoming a superhuman yourself. Yeah, well, um, I I always like to joke with people like you don't you don't start a podcast called Becoming Superhuman because you're the most popular confident kid in high school. And uh, <laughs> I think I think along about age 13, 14, 15, I started realizing this idea that who I am is is a variable and dynamic thing and that I can actually change who I am for better or for worse by the books that I read, the actions that I take, the habits that I engage in. Uh, and I think that idea really captivated me. So I became an entrepreneur and, and changed who I was. And I became an athlete and weightlifter and changed who I was. And I started learning musical instruments and, and changed who I was. And I think for really the last 15 years, I've been obsessed with this idea that I can learn something, something as simple as a behavior or a skill, and functionally change who I am as a person for the better. So becoming superhuman is all about that. It's all about interviewing folks that I find interesting, to be honest with you, but folks that have uh, exceeded traditional human limits on any parameter, whether that be people skills, whether that be setting world records in memorization, uh, cold exposure, athletic performance, personal finance. Uh, we've had you know millionaires and people who coach billionaires on the show. Uh, and just trying to figure out what they've done to become superhuman, how they've been able to to uh, achieve the impossible. Uh, and it's been really good. We've had, I think now we've had 125 episodes. We've had like 30 or 40 New York Times bestsellers, uh, some really, really incredible people that I don't think I would have ever gotten access to if I didn't have tens of thousands of listeners to to advertise to. So. That's the beauty of being a podcaster and a YouTube marketer, a blogger, a social media influencer totally. is because you have access to people you normally wouldn't. I mean, normally totally. uh, it probably costs, uh, you know, uh, you probably charge at least a few hundred dollars uh, for your time. But uh, here I am uh, being uh, interviewing <laughs> you, but I'm also helping you because uh, uh, exposing you to new audiences. So uh, totally. if you're listening, I definitely highly recommend uh, getting yourself uh, started as a podcaster, a YouTube marketer, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Jonathan, uh, I mean, uh, what makes uh, someone superhuman or what are the common elements besides obviously being born in kryptonite or, you know, making Mm -hmm. your way way to planet Earth in a little mini spaceship and uh, being raised by in a farm by the Kent? Right, right. It, uh, you know, it it, honestly, and this is kind of one of the reasons why I think after two and a half years of doing the show, I need to vary it up a little bit. It honestly comes down to the same things like every, every time. Uh, there are three basic things. I think it, you know, it's not going to surprise anybody. It's knowing how to hack your sleep and sleep properly. It's knowing the right exercise. It's knowing the right nutrition. And then on top of those three things, there are behaviors and skills that you can add. So meditation is one that comes up all the time in terms of improving cognitive function, improving emotional stability, things like that. Uh, Obviously, memory techniques, speed reading, mnemonics, uh, all this brain training stuff that we teach in our uh, Super Learner Academy is really huge if you want to be able to digest hundreds of books and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, on top of that, it's it's 
a lot of psychology. It's a lot of positive psychology. It's a lot of setting goals. It's a lot of um, engaging in the right conversations with yourself, building the right relationships in your life to have people around you that support you. I think if you do all that stuff, it's kind of funny because, you know, we often on the show, we talk about nutrition and diet and stuff like that. We talk about supplements and different weightlifting routines. That, all that stuff is like the extra 20% on top. If you can nail down your nutrition, exercise, uh, and sleep, and then add on meditation, brain training, you'll, you'll be amazed at what you can achieve. And, and I think part of the reason that that's true, that it's so easy to improve your performance is because we're all functionally broken. Your modern human is just like not on the brink of death, but held together by duct tape and, and a little bit of hope and prayer. You know, we're all insulin insensitive. None of us sleep as much as we should. I mean, not all, but many. Uh, mm -hmm. How many of us sit eight hours a day? The muscles in our hips are completely screwed. Our backs are all curved over. We don't get vitamin D. Like I could just go on and on and on. I bet you if we had enough time, I could list a hundred different things that modern humans have counting against them. Uh, we don't have sex enough with our partners, stuff like that, like simple stuff that just in the state of nature would be, you know, fine. Uh, and so because we're so functionally broken, it's really quite easy. Like eat natural, healthy, unprocessed foods, sleep enough and exercise, you know. Simple, simple, but difficult. It's, you know, it's so funny how it ends up being difficult. Our priorities are so out of whack that we'd rather catch that extra get episode of Game of Thrones than put in a one-hour workout that will literally change our lives. Hmm. <sighs> yeah, oh, man. Guilty, guilty, guilty as charged. Oh, me too. Uh, me too. I mean, that's the funny thing, right? It's like we know this, and yet knowing it is not enough to sometimes not enough to overcome. Yeah. I like how Rob Wolf talks about it. Like it, it's really not your fault. Human brain has a lot of flaws for the modern era. Like we're wired to eat everything in sight because that was a pretty effective strategy for one and a half million years. It's not an effective strategy when you have a McDonald's every block. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jonathan, I mean, um, a lot of our listeners and viewers are digital nomads and uh, they struggle with those three areas. I mean, if you're always totally. uh, hopping around countries and cities and continents and you're living in uh, different beds all the time mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes staying in hostels and guest houses and uh, obviously your beds are different every time. Uh, um, you typically don't have gym facilities. I mean, you could obviously find, it, find a gym pretty much anywhere, but uh, nothing mm -hmm. kind of readily accessible sometimes. And obviously food, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you're kind of stuck with eating whatever the locals eat. So we struggle with all three areas even more than someone living in Tel Aviv or Vancouver, BC. I think that's fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So tell us about how a digital nomad can handle those three things. It's interesting. I thought you were going to ask a different question, but the answer is actually the same. I thought you were going to ask about how do you run a business while traveling and stuff like that, but you know what? Oh, uh, I'm going to ask you that. I'm going to ask you that as well, but let's cover those three areas first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing, right? Like both in your personal life and in your business, it's all about systems. In your personal life, we call them rituals or habits, but they're systems. They're standard operating procedures. I wake up and I brush my teeth. That's why I have teeth. That's a ritual and it's a habit. Uh, you know, in our business, we call that standard operating procedures or mm. systems. You know, the emails are automatically forwarded to this, whatever. Uh, but in your personal life, it's about having rituals and it's about having habits. 
and there's, you know, simple rituals. Get off your screens two hours before bed. You can do that wherever you are in the world. Um, exercise, you know, do squats, do push-ups, do burpees, carry a jump rope with you, bring resistance bands wherever you go. Uh, you can almost always find something to hang off of to do pull-ups, um, even if you can't find a gym. Uh, and then on nutrition, I mean, the only place I've ever traveled to where I haven't been able to find fresh vegetables and fruits, I mean, you, you can, admittedly in the US, the fruit and veg situation is crap. Like in a lot of the US, if you're traveling in, mm -hmm. I won't name states, but it, there are certain states that if you're traveling, it's going to be very hard and very expensive to find fruits and veg, which is just so freaking ironic. But the only place I've really struggled is Hong Kong. And that's because it's kind of this like super fried, carby, nasty culture. Uh, but you can almost always find veg. And if you have rituals and systems around food where it's like, you know, get out of this place of embarrassment and shame and tell the waiter like, dude, I just want you to bring me a ton of vegetables and the meat from this dish, but like, don't bring me all the potatoes that comes with it. Uh, a lot of times people will laugh at you. If you're in Germany, people will laugh at you. But uh, I call I call that, and and also they'll charge you more. <laughs> but I call that the the health tax. You know. Um, with that said, I do think there's there's an element of balance in the sense that like when I go to Hong Kong, I want to eat rice and I want to you know try all kinds of things that are fried, and I'm not going to miss out on the travel experience for health purposes. So I, I moderate and I play in that balance, but it's all about having systems and habits and rituals, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned something about uh, getting off your screen two minutes before you sleep, right? Or was it two, two hours? hours? Because two hours, <laughs> I know, I'm yeah. joking. I'm joking yeah, because yeah. most of us <laughs> pretty much are on the screen, on a phone, lying in bed and we're like, okay, time to sleep now. Oh, I gotta get off Facebook, gotta get off Facebook. And then right. boom, you're out cold. And then two minutes after you wake up, free up the washroom, I need to check my status update. How many people have liked totally. and commented? Um, so most people's sleep hygiene is like, yeah, most people's sleep hygiene is like I, I would compare the average tech savvy person's sleep hygiene to the normal hygiene of like a bum. Like we just we have no we're completely wow. we're completely oblivious to just how bad we're screwing up our our sleep cycles and our bodies and we do like the worst things. Like I had a friend who was like, oh no, I, I sleep really well. I just have a glass of wine before bed. I'm like, oh my God, like circadian rhythm, delta this, like, uh, you don't even know, like you're not sleeping. You're not actually sleeping. Your eyes are closed and you're unconscious, but you're not truly sleeping. Uh, and I think a lot of us don't realize that. So yeah, it, sleep hygiene is a big one. And it's, it's one of the trickier ones when you travel. So what do you do for those two hours? Uh, I mean, uh, I guess you read a book, you talk to your partner, read a book. have some sex, sex, like you mentioned. Not there sex, you go. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Read a book. It's yeah. tough. It's tough because I, I like to read on Kindle. So what I've done is I have an adaptation. I mean, I'm guilty too, by the way. Like I'll, I'll, often, uh, I'll often read on my phone before bed, which is terrible. So I have all kinds of adaptations. Like I have blue blocking glasses that I'll put on before bed. Truth be told, these are actually blue blockers as well. For people watching the YouTube, they block a little bit of blue spectrum light, but I have awesome. full on orange glasses that I put on a couple hours before bed. I just installed a drift TV module on my TV in the unlikely event that, you know, I'm watching a movie with the lady uh, late into the evening. 
which we usually don't do, uh, the TV will automatically shift to orange color uh, as the evening wears on. Uh, on my phone, on my everything, I have night shift enabled or flux if you're not on the Mac. So there's like workarounds if, if you have to be on your screens. I personally really love you know reading, so it makes it hard. And the Kindle doesn't have you know a yellowing feature, so I just put mm -hmm. on these glasses. Awesome. That, yeah, some great uh, tools and tech uh, uh, gadgets. And I'm sure you have a lot of blog posts uh, uh, and uh, articles totally. about this on your website. Totally. Yeah, we've had some of the like we've had two of the top sleep experts out there. Uh, on our show, one of whom is the sleep coach to uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. So, like, mm, knows his shit. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. Awesome. Uh, so, you mentioned earlier that question I was going to ask. You kind of, uh, uh, you know, stole my question uh, about sure. <laughs> how, do you, uh, how do you automate your stuff uh, while you're traveling? I mean, uh, totally. a lot of us, we're still working. Uh, I mean, there's a traveler who travels, 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 sightseeing, sightseeing, sightseeing. And then there's a worker who work, work. And digital nomads are kind of the hybrid where we work while sure. traveling. So. Sure. What can we do uh, to automate and to um, enhance yeah. our travels and our work while we're on the road? I'm a systems process junkie. Uh, I, two years ago, started hiring for this business and swore that I was never going to get into the situations that I got in with my last business where my employees would call me while I was on vacation. And Hell no, not happening. <laughs> so we have systems for everything. We have training manuals for everything in our company. Uh, we have a team in the Philippines who are actually in different cities and they work together seamlessly with these processes. We have people in the UK, we have people in California, we have people in uh, Bosnia and they all work together seamlessly using just processes and systems. So uh, I highly recommend everyone read the E-Myth Revisited and then I highly recommend everyone sign up for Zapier because that automates I mean, uh, we just did the Paradise Power Pack promotion, which is how you found us. Mm -hmm. And all yeah. these other guys, I, I guess like a couple thousand people claim this, right? And there's like 15 of us on there. All these other guys are having like their assistant enroll people or giving out free coupons, which are going to end up on torrent sites and blah, 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 blah. I just like went in in half an hour, spent, yeah, about half an hour on Zapier, figuring out this way to like, verify every person through an email system, created a manual, and then it automatically enrolled people. So, you know, say each one takes a minute. I saved my team 2,000 minutes, which, you know, sure, our, our people are great and, and working with a team in the Philippines is highly affordable, but like do the math, right? That's, that's a lot of money. And I, mm. it took me 30 minutes to engineer a full system, maybe an hour with the PDF guide and boom, you know, and, and we're still as we speak, there's hundreds of people enrolling in this course. And, and, and that's my model. Like I, I have a decision tree, which goes, we have a challenge. Can it be automated? Uh, is it repetitive enough to be automated by a computer? If it's not, how do I train someone else to do it? And then I create very sophisticated training manuals. And I think that's the key is uh, empowering people or uh, computers <laughs> to mm -hmm. do your work for you. And I think so many of us, Chris Ducker, talks about this a lot and he has another great book called Virtual Freedom uh, mm. that everyone should check out. But he talks about this like superhero syndrome where we all think we're special freaking snowflakes. Like mm. no one else in my company could possibly calculate out all the affiliate payments. <laughs> we're talking thousands of dollars and what if they screw it up or steal from me? No way, dude. Like my assistant does all the affiliate payouts. You know what's funny? She pays her own salary. 
She pays my salary. She pays everyone in the company. Why? Because like, I don't have to, there's no reason why I should have to go in and do all that stuff and calculate all the payments and blah, 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 blah. Like she's college educated woman. She's very smart. I trust her. Create a system around it. Uh, and, and that's, I think that's why I'm able to, uh, take time off and, and not work and, uh, you know, spend three or four hours a day at, at my co-working space if I want to. That's the secret. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I know you also travel hack uh, the, your way to languages. And I mean, uh, as a digital mm -hmm. nomad, uh, you definitely need languages. I mean, I was just in uh, Brazil for the last six weeks and uh, I struggled uh, to communicate mm. with the locals because I don't know Portuguese. Uh, Brazilians. And Spanish. Brazilians, I mean, I'm, I'm traveling South, South America and no Spanish. So tell me and tell our viewers and listeners how we can travel hack our way to uh, learning languages. Yeah, whew, on one foot in a few minutes. Um, <laughs> yes, well, exactly. It's starting now. Yeah, well, I'll give you a teaser because this is the topic of a you know fifteen-hour course that we teach. Um, but there are similar to how we talked about our maladaptation to the modern world. Uh, there are a lot of things wrong with the way we learn today and the way we memorize new information. We read a book or we have a conversation, we go to a lecture, we look at some slides, we watch a YouTube video and we expect to just remember things. That's not how the brain works. Uh, we have a very visual, very experiential, very, very sophisticated brain. In fact, the human brain is the most powerful supercomputer, single supercomputer in the history of the universe. I recently learned that actually the Bitcoin network is uh, is more powerful in terms of raw computation, but in terms of what your brain can do, it's it's simply phenomenal, and you have 2.2 petabytes of memory in between your ears, uh, but we don't know how to use it. And so if you learn really honestly basic memory techniques that have been around for 2,200 years, uh, since Simonides, I mean, the Greeks used this stuff. And if you learn these techniques, you can memorize literally anything. It's just a matter of how much time do you want to devote. Um, numbers, foreign language, vocabulary is very easy. Grammar, I've, I've had to engineer systems to train people to learn vocabulary because that's a little bit trickier. Uh, but you can learn anything and, and you're not limited. I, I had uh, David Heinemeyer Hansen on our show and I love this quote that he said. He's like, just get over this notion that there are limits to how much or how fast you can learn. There aren't. Uh, and I think that's true. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's visual memory techniques. It's the memory palace method of LOSI. It's associative memory. It's not rocket science what we teach, to be honest with you. It's not rocket science. I think it's, we teach it in a very innovative and fun way, but it's not rocket science. And, uh, and this is why you see guys like Benny Lewis doing so well with his language training. Guys like Gabriel Weiner, we're all teaching the same thing from just kind of different angles. Uh, I think, by the way, if anyone wants to check out a phenomenal book on language learning, Gabriel Weiner's Fluent Forever is the best I've read. And I've read quite a few. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've used these techniques. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of an on again, off again student because I have so many hobbies, so many passions, but I've, I've learned these 1800 or so words in Russian wow. and figured out they're notoriously hard grammatical system. And I can converse in Russian, Hebrew, Spanish, English. Next, I'm working on French, which should be after Russian, a walk in the park. So that would be <laughs> my, my one minute pitch for mnemonic training. Uh, and if anyone wants to check that out, they can always come do a free trial at uh, becomeasuperlearner.com and there's no obligation to buy and you can test your memory, test your reading speed and 
get a little bit of an understanding about how your brain works and why it doesn't work the way that schools think it seem to think it works. Mm. Uh, I mean, you are in Israel and uh, your background is Jewish and, you know, obviously Hebrew is the language of choice. So maybe you can uh, give our listeners and viewers a quick travel hack into Hebrew. So if I wanted to uh, go sure. to Israel and learn some Hebrew, how would I do it? Uh, tell me how uh, a little bit of a quick uh, tips on travel hacking Hebrew. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to teach you a slang word for awesome. Okay. It's, it's really hard. Uh, it's like I'm picking a, a deliberately difficult word. The word is sababa. It means sababa. like awesome, awesome, great. Yeah. So I want I want to ask you, Ricky, what does that sound like to you? Sababa, sababa. So uh, baba black sheep or saba. So like the state in Malaysia, saba. Okay, cool. Let's go with baba black sheep. So uh, I want you to imagine, like, picture that we're in a situation. I come up to you. And I'm like, hey, Ricky, how was your time in Israel? And you want to be like, dude, it was freaking awesome. I saw yeah. the Baba black sheep, right? And then I want you to picture that you saw him, but we want to imbue in it a little bit of meaning. It's called dual encoding. So it's, it's not enough that you heard the words and you have that. I want you to picture a situation where you're in this specific farm, picture what it looks like, you see all these sheep and you see this black sheep, but he's the awesome sheep. Why? Because he's got some kick-ass aviators. He looks like Top Gun. Okay. <laughs> I want you to picture this awesome Baba black sheep mm -hmm. and then picture that you saw him mm -hmm. so that when I ask you like, what's awesome, you're like, mm -hmm. oh, it was awesome when I saw Baba black sheep. And you just create these visual associations. And then at the higher levels, we would create infrastructure around all the words that you would have. We'd create rooms, palaces structural connections uh, and get really fancy with it. But using that, just turning the, the sounds into visualizations and associating to previously stored memories alone will allow you to memorize hundreds of words, hundreds of words a day, if you so desire. Mm. And pretty much you can do that with any word, any language, uh, anywhere oh, yeah. around the world, right? If you know how, you can do it with numbers. You can do it with formulas, equations. It's just a matter of, of adapting visualization to anything you want to learn. It seems weird because it's normally not how we're taught to learn, right? Bingo. Bingo. That's why it works. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, Sababa. Amazing. There you go. Well, thanks for the Sababa interview, uh, Jonathan. Uh, definitely a wealth of insight into so many areas. I mean, uh, I know we My could pleasure. probably interview you a hundred times and still not cover all the topics that I would love to cover. But that's why we can listen to your podcast and subscribe to your uh, you and go. I do. You got and, hundreds uh, of hours of me ranting. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so uh, how can people connect with you? I know you have a few different sites online. One of the I coolest do, yeah. ones is, uh, is your Virgin Island connection. So tell us about that site yeah. and your other yeah, couple so I, sites. I got tired of people asking, like, how do I get a hold of you and, and where and what and this and that. So everything, pretty much everything, it's, it's a couple months outdated at this point, but pretty much everything that I do, you can find at jle.vi, uh, like Virgin Islands. So that's just my first initial and my last name, jle with a dot in the middle. Uh, and uh, if you go there, you can find a link to get a free trial of Become a Super Learner, which is becomeasuperlearner.com. If you want to skip a step, you can check out my podcast, becomingasuperhuman.com. And I'm on pretty much all the social media you would expect to find me on, except Snapchat, because I'm old. Ah, awesome. 
Uh, well, hey, thank you so much for your time today. Um, uh, you know, My pleasure. Uh, uh, thank you for those insights into language learning. Uh, uh, I'm definitely going to start applying those. And I look forward to awesome. learning more about all these super human um, abilities that people have had. You know, it's amazing that uh, uh, people can get to be the best in the area by using these common uh, um, skill sets. Totally. Uh, and you outline them on your website. So. Uh, good on you for yeah. what you're doing. I'm definitely very inspired Thank by you. this interview. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers are inspired as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ricky. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. But we also teach you how to learn languages. And we teach you how to sleep better and eat better and exercise better. So have a Sababa day. And we'll catch you in the next episode.